Hello. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for asking. Great. Great. It's not like we've been talking for the past hour or anything. <laughs> I think it's been I... like over, over Look an hour. Our Skype call has been going on for an hour and 11 minutes. Oh my gosh. I was supposed yeah. to use the fancy microphone. Yeah. And then it was not working. It was so. Screaming. It kept screaming at us. Not using it. That's okay. You know what? Because this is a, this is a growing. It's kind of fun because like each episode has a different sound quality. <laughs> that's it's our like theme. We have to, instead of like, I don't know. <laughs> that's our thematic episodes. Is that yeah. it's the it's sound just... quality. <laughs> Sometimes it's super low. Sometimes, sometimes it's okay. It's really good. Well, really good in our yeah, in our sense. Yeah, yeah. it's a, it's a fun game. It's like, what's it gonna be this time? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fun. I think people like it. I don't know. I think it's I think it's pretty enjoyable. It's, it's charming. <laughs> I think it has it has more of a homemade feel about it. It's like you know? family owned sound quality. Exactly. Yeah, family owned and run worked business except it's not a business because we're not making any money nope but um so this is the seventh episode of seven of i, I could, could be, be friends, friends with, with her, her. <laughs> yeah um, yes. i'm talia oh i'm annabelle we never say that no, and i think that we probably we... should yeah because well, I remember when I was listening to my favorite murder, they never said their names. And the first time it. they did, like, 20 episodes in, I was like, uh-huh. what? Yeah. Wait, which did one is which? Was... Yeah, yeah. No, for a long time it took me so long to figure out which one was which um, by their voice. But now it's like, how can you not know? Yeah, no, I totally so agree. Weird. Okay. Um, but yeah, so this is the seventh episode, and, um, seven is, like, my number. Like, it's not my lucky number, it's just, like, the number that pops up all over the place in my life, so. Mine's 18. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did not know that. That's the first time I've ever heard that information. Yep. My cousin once told me my, that side of the family is Jewish, and she Mm -hmm is really cool and does a lot of Jewish stuff. And she, she once told me a long time ago uh-huh. something about 18 being important in Judaism, and I was like, that's my number. <laughs> oh, it's not like a number that like pops up all over your life? Nope. It's just I just true, picked though. it. Oh, no. I, seven is like everywhere. Like I was born the seventh day of the seventh month. Um, I was seven in pounds, 14 ounces. The year seven. <laughs> in the year seven i am a, I'm very old but yeah um that's just but yeah it's that's pretty cool over. so i wanted to make this episode special um also this is thanksgiving it's thanksgiving it is thanksgiving um, when this comes out so mine is special in that um i really am interested by this person and this story um and then also it's kind of thanksgiving related because it's like america nice it's like american history um even though that's not really what Thanksgiving is, but whatever. Let's hope that we didn't do the same person. We'll see. Okay. I'm doing Eliza Schuyler Hamilton. Oh, that's not my person. I You told me no. earlier who it was. I told I you forgot. earlier. <laughs> that's not my person. <laughs> I was literally, it just hit I me that. I literally then. told you. Like... I know. Oh my gosh. I was so stressed <laughs> for a second. I was like, I'm going to have to redo everything. Oh my gosh. What if... What, we need to figure out something, like, if we ever do do the same person. I normally Google, I normally, like, search the folder for my oh, person's name, yeah. and if it only shows up in my document, then... Oh, that's smart. Okay. Cool. Yeah, okay. Um, so I got it. Except I didn't okay. this time. So, Eliza Schuyler Hamilton. Do you know who she is? Nope. Wait, is she from Hamilton? Yes. Well, she's not... I mean, she's a real person. I know, but, Hamilton. like, I've... Yeah. Um, okay, sure, fine. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so like, with the whole phenomenon of Hamilton, there's, like, a lot of historical figures that are now, like, getting more attention, you know? Uh-huh. And as a history fan and a musical fan, I'm, like, really excited about that. Yeah. Um, even though, I mean, this is, like, four years post um Hamilton oh my gosh that's been a minute yeah it's been a minute 
um, and it's still like, such a big thing. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to talk about Eliza Hamilton, who was definitely much more than just Alexander Hamilton's wife, which is who she is, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, she was so much more, and she did so much. Um, and But it makes me really mad because her Wikipedia page, the section titled Marriage, is the largest section oh. about, on her page. It's about 10 paragraphs. Oh my gosh. Um, for comparison, her childhood and family section is four paragraphs, and her later life, which is where she did, like, all of her amazing work and right. stuff, is, like, five short little paragraphs. Oh, that's dumb. Yeah. Also, Alexander Hamilton's family section of his Wikipedia is basically, like, three paragraphs. So it makes me really mad, but whatever. 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 I wrote a lot of the same things. Like, I just, like, got really mad, and I just wrote a bunch of stuff about how she should be remembered more. Okay, then keep but, going. Yeah. <laughs> she should be remembered. Keep saying it. I'm trying, I'm trying to, like, skip all of that stuff. Anyway, <laughs> so, Elizabeth Eliza Schuyler was born August 9th, 1757, in Albany, in the province of New York. So, not yet America, still a British colony. Wild. Um, her father, Philip Schuyler, was a Continental Army general, and her mother, Catherine Van Russener Schuyler, she came from a very rich family, so just, like, overall, they were very rich and successful right. in the America. Um, also, I'm going to kind of steal your thing real quick, um, because Eliza had 14 siblings. That's a lot. Which is a lot. That is that is a few. Yeah. Um, and I know that's kind of your thing. To like have having, a lot of siblings. <laughs> to cover people who have a lot of siblings oh. or had a lot of kids. Right. So I stole your thing. It's and okay, I'll do, let you have this. Okay, thank you. And before I do, like, bad math, like, just, like, on the fly, uh, um, that is ten and a half years of being pregnant. Oh my gosh. I can't imagine. a lot. Yeah. Um, so her family was rich, and they settled in New York originally in the 1600s. So they've been there for, like, a long time. Um, as a girl, she was said to be a bit of a tomboy. Um, and, a quote, she retained a strong will and even an impulsiveness that her acquaintances noticed. And also, hers was a strong character with its depth and warmth, whether of feeling or temper controlled, but glowing underneath, bursting through at times in some emphatic expression. So she was um, on another level, is what you're yeah, telling me. Was, okay, got it. She was it. just, like, really, like, outgoing and, like, not the traditional lady, like, quiet and in the background. Like, she was, right. Like, out and about um so i'm just gonna briefly talk about her marriage and family um but i'm not gonna tell you all about alexander because um this isn't about him right nope he but, is inconsequential exactly but this is an important part of her life so it i'm gonna briefly touch on it got it um so she first met alex in 1778 but they properly like hung out for the first time in 1780 um <laughs> like, <they laughs> properly they, like, they properly met. kicked it back. Yeah, and chilled. Yeah. Um, but, like, that's when they first kind of had, like, a connection. Um, they got married later that year in December 1780 at the Schuyler Mansion. Ooh. She said that he made her, quote, the happiest of women. My dear Hamilton is fonder of me every day. And that's Aww. what she said. Aww. And... That's also the only thing she said. That's the only thing I could find. <laughs> That's all she Not only said. did she say that. Because anytime I tried to find a quote from her, it was from the musical, and it wasn't like a musical. Oh, yeah, that's annoying. Yeah. I even tried to find stuff, like, from before the musical even came out, but... I had that problem last in the Halloween episode with Madame mm-hmm. Laveau and the yeah. um, character in American Horror Story that was, like, kind of based oh, yeah. on her. Yeah. Like, they were some really cool quotes, but they weren't from her. Exactly. Yeah, I kept finding, like, great stuff, but then it was, like, from the musical. And I was right. Like, oh, okay. Um, so they moved around a lot uh, for Alex's work, like, building America and whatnot. Um, and she helped him a lot um, by, like, he would, like, talk his, like, writings and she would write them, you know? Right. Um, and she just kind of, like, gave him a lot of moral support and all that stuff um, while also, like, creating a household and a family and all that stuff um and they had eight children which isn't nearly as many as 14 but still a lot that is that is a lot yep and i'm just gonna some of them are kind of interesting and so i'm just gonna talk about them real quick 
Um, their first child, Philip, was born in 1782 and named after Eliza's father, and he was killed in a duel three years before his father's duel. Oh my Spoiler gosh. Alert. Spoiler alert. I don't, I mean, it's kind of like basic American history. What the heck Hamilton was, was America? But yeah, he died three years prior to his father's duel. Um, Angelica was born in 1784, named after Eliza's, one of Eliza's sisters, and she suffered a mental breakdown after her older brother's death and lived to the age of 72 in a state described as eternal childhood. So she was, like, stuck oh. in the state that she was in, not even whenever Philip was killed, but, like, yeah. younger, like, when she was... That's crazy. Little. Yeah. Um, and then Alexander Jr. was born in 1786. James Alexander was born in 1788. John Church was born in 1792. And Church was angelica eliza's sister's married name does that make sense yes so that's where church came from uh william stephen was born in 1797 and um eliza was born in 1799 named after of course herself um which is a baller move i'm a fan of that that's Mm -hmm. so fun (laughs) yeah and then um philip also called little phil was born in 1802 named after his older brother who had died a year before his birth or before his birth i was about to say yeah (laughs) um okay so that's the children but in addition to their own children in 1787 eliza and alexander took into their home francis fanny antill uh the child of hamilton's friend colonel edward antill whose wife had recently died Mm. Um, and he wasn't like able to care for her so they took her in um, and then two years later Colonel Antle died and Fanny continued to live with them for another eight years so Aww. they kind of fostered her um, until until her older sister was uh, married and able to take Fanny into their into her home that's nice yeah and that kind of comes back later oh. um, just the whole idea of like yeah strange children um, she also, you know, just, like, managed their household and dealt with all that stuff without really any help from her husband, because he was away a lot of the time, uh, you know, starting America and all that stuff. Um, not like he would probably be much help, because I don't really know how much husbands really did in the 1700s, Right. But, you know, like, moral support would be nice. Um, so, I'm not gonna talk about the Reynolds pamphlet, except a little bit, I'm gonna talk about it a little bit. But I'm not going to go into it. Um, I'm just going to give you a crash course because it's okay. kind of like an important turning stone in, in their marriage. And I like life. I like crash courses. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically, what you need to know is that Alex cheated on Eliza, and to take control of the story, Alex published the Reynolds pamphlet, like explaining the whole story. Like he wrote oh. it all down and published basically everything that he had done oh dang so that way like you know like other people wouldn't take the story and like turn it into something that wasn't he took control of it right which is you know kind of a smart move but of course it was devastating for eliza right no that's kind Um, of that's a little bit awful like (laughs) but i mean he was a very public figure right um this brand new country so but it's still like like you wouldn't want something that is kind of ruining your life to just be yeah. out there and everyone's reading all exactly. the details. But like you know, he, Alex wasn't really thinking about that. He was just thinking about saving face. his own, his own like reputation. Yeah. Um. So yeah, she was mad and she burned some of the love letters that he had wrote her, um, which led to a, a beautiful, amazing song titled "Burn" in Hamilton, which is probably the best thing that's ever happened in the history of musical theater. Um, <laughs> but. It, anyway it's great um but she made the decision to like stick with him mm-hmm. and like whether you agree with that decision or not just like in general you still have to like admire her unconditional support of yeah. her husband like she still loved him and she still wanted to support him she was still like behind him and everything that he stood for and believed in. all right i mean i feel like i don't know that's definitely a tough call yeah exactly um but they did end up kind of like i mean of course this whole situation had a damp like damaged their relationship mm-hmm. uh, but they were able to kind of like mend it back together and right ha- and they went on to have more kids um okay. i think i don't know when the reynolds pamphlet was published but it was before all of their kids were born so um so yeah and then so that's the crash course of the reynolds pamphlet thank you for listening okay 
Um, so Philip, the oldest son, died in a duel fighting for his father's honor in 1801, and he was 19 years old. Oh. And Eliza was three months pregnant at the time um, with little Phil. And uh, the family, understandably, took it very hard. You know, it was very sudden, and it's such a tragic, avoidable... Like, it feels so unnecessary. Like, it's so why do you have to duel? It's it's so unnecessary, and it's so preventable, and it's awful. It was awful. So, yeah. Um, So then later that year, little Phil was born, and he was named after... Philip, and so then Alex goes and gets himself killed in 1804. In a around, duel? Yep, in a duel. <gasps> what? Her. Yeah. Um, and it was, like, in the same place that his son had also died in. Oh duel. my gosh. Yeah. Um, and this was also around the same time Eliza had also lost her mother, father, and two of her siblings. In a duel? No. Oh. <laughs> Unrelated. Okay. Um... Her mother did not die in a duel. So that's just a Hamilton thing. Yeah, that was... I mean, other people died in duels. Right, but like... But um, her mother, father, and siblings, to my knowledge, did not die in duels. Man. Um, But she did lose her husband and her oldest son. That's so sad. Yeah. So she had lost a lot, and she was really upset about that. Um, but Understandably. Yeah, understandably very upset. And she's also now left with seven kids right um and you know no i mean she still has some siblings of course because she had 14 and only two of them have died but um you know like her mother isn't there to help her right her husband's not there to help her or anything her siblings have yeah. lives too exactly and they probably all have like 10 hundred kids as well right. so um she was able to get some money from her father's death but like that's like the only good thing that's happened so far um <laughs> So she was obviously, like, upset, and she was especially mad about Alex dying so young, and she really believed that he could have done so much more, and that America would potentially be very different, and maybe even better if he hadn't died um, in that duel, and she definitely, like, saw that. She saw the potential that he had to do more, Um, so she did a lot of work to make sure that he, like, lived on that his legacy was remembered and all that stuff nice so after alex died she was expected to pay off his like many debts that he had oh um and fun yeah so that's what she was expected to do and so she did it she was like okay let me do that real quick um but not quick because it took a long time right but so she petitioned the government for her husband's army pension Mm -hmm. um which he had turned down like whenever he was in the army they offered to pay him, but he was like, no, I'm going to fight for America. Right. Which, like, in the moment probably seemed really Like, heroic. heroic, yeah. But whenever he dies, now she has no money. So. You got to think <laughs> about those kinds of things before you go yeah. into a duel. Yeah. Um, so she finally got the money in 1837, which was 33 years after his death. So <gasps> oh it, took, it took the government a while to get that for her. Um, but she ended up getting $30,000 and a chunk of land. I don't know how much, but a, a sizable amount of land. Um, and today I did some calculations in that I put this into a calculator online. It told me that that would be about $800,000 today. Nice. So, you know. But I mean, she needed that to like, yeah. but earlier. Yeah, that's, that's a, yeah, no, it definitely took too long to get. Um, so since that money came um, a little too late, she had to sell their 35-acre estate in Upper Manhattan um, to like pay off those debts. Right. And like according to one source, Alex's executors bought it back and then sold it to her for half the price, so she could like have Aww. her home. But then another source said that she bought it in an auction. But like either way, she still got to keep her house and she made money. Nice. That's so, so smart. <laughs> um, yeah, but then she sold it again <laughs> and moved into, like, a smaller townhouse because, like, 35 acres is a lot. Right. Um, when you don't have, like, a husband to, like... Right. And if you have to, like, pay all those bills, you can't really afford yeah. to pay a bunch of people so, to take yeah, care of so it. So she sold her house twice, basically. So then in 1806, she, along with Joanna B- 
Bethune founded the first private orphanage called the Orphan Asylum Society, and she was vice president of the orphanage up until 1821. Then she was president, and she served as president for 20 years until she left to go to D.C. to live with her daughter, Eliza. Um, And she was also known, along with the orphanage, she was known to take in homeless children into her own house. Mm, Um, And the New York Orphan Asylum Society continues to exist as a social service agency for children today called Graham Windham. I don't know why they changed it or like why it's not named after her, but whatever. I don't know who Graham I don't know who this Graham is, but probably just donated a bunch of money. Oh, probably. Well, whatever. could okay. totally be wrong, but eh. I could have looked it up, but I didn't. <laughs> um so like another main focus of her later years after Alex died was to continue his life and to like defend the things that he did and to make sure that they were remembered um for what they were Mm -hmm. um so she like defended him against his critics and she supported his claim of authorship of george washington's farewell address so like you know like now we know like whenever a president gives a speech it was probably written by a speechwriter right but like i think when george washington gave his farewell address like I guess they assume that he wrote it. Right. I don't know. She claimed she supported his claim of authorship. He wrote it, and she supported that. Okay. Um, She also requested an apology from James Monroe after he kind of, like, said mean stuff about Alex. I don't know what mean stuff. And he also kind of had a major role in exposing his affair. Um, Oh. So she, like, was like, hey, can you say you're sorry? And he said no. (gasps) She was like, but she just like kept Dang, like, he's she not just kept cool. being like, Hey, please apologize, my husband is dead. Please just apologize. <laughs> um, I don't know if he ever did, but That's who our town is named after. Or it was named after the steamboat that was named after him. After James Monroe? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Because it was like the first boat to come in or it's like how Monroe was settled. Yeah. Oh, well he he refused to apologize. So he's It's okay, we're named after a boat, not him. Okay, cool. Um, Okay, so she also reorganized all of Alexander's letters, papers, and writings, which was a lot. It was almost like he was writing, like he was running out of time, writing at night, like tomorrow won't arrive. Right. That that's from that's from Hamilton. I I I'm not aware. Well, it is. Did it um didn't Thomas Jefferson do that when he was like about to not be president and then like no john adams john adams he was like up all night the night before um the new president was gonna be inaugurated and he was just like passing laws and stuff oh i don't know that that wasn't in hamilton um that sounds like like that quote i mean like he wasn't like writing like just laws and stuff like he was just writing oh like letters, papers, writings. I don't know what they were about, but... Not as exciting, but it's okay. I mean, like, various things. Like, he wasn't, like, writing, like, laws. Right. Also, he wasn't president. Yeah, he couldn't make laws. Um, She also interviewed soldiers that fought with her husband and Federalists that worked with him to, like, gather more info about, like, his work, life, and whatnot. Um, And she hired biographers to help preserve his work. Um, And this project was kind of later passed on to her son, um, who was able to publish his papers in 1850. Aww. So you can, like, now read, like, his letters and writings and all that stuff, and that's thanks to Eliza. That's so cool. Um, she also sent necessities to refugees. I don't know what that means, and I could not find any more information about that, but she sent necessities but to, she did. to refugees. But she did. She it. did it. According to a source, I don't remember which. <laughs> um, Someone said she did it. So she did. So, someone on the internet said she did it, so she must have done that. Um, also, this is like a very, this is like my favorite part, but she was so devoted to Alexander's writings that she wore a small package around her neck containing the pieces of a sonnet which Alexander wrote for her in 1780. Aww, that's so cute. So cute, like a little, just a little pouch. Yeah. Like, I think it was like a little paper, I mean, like a canvas pouch. That like, seems kind of inconvenient, but I guess back then, like, everything they wore was inconvenient. Yeah. So, so I, I think I guess in the grand scheme, it wasn't that bad. 
And it wasn't, like, heavy. I mean, it was just pieces of paper. Um, So, yeah. Um, Even in her 90s, she remained dedicated to charity work. Um, And after moving to Washington, D.C., she helped raise money to build the Washington Monument. So she is partially responsible for that. Um, And Eliza died in Washington, D.C. on November 9th. 1854 at the age of 97 that's a good job yeah she outlived her husband by 50 years <gasps> and she outlived all but one of her siblings wow and the one sibling that outlived her was 24 years younger than her so. oh my gosh so she yeah. won she i think she won. she did it <laughs> she won that race um eliza is buried near her husband in the graveyard of Trinity Church in New York City. Um, and Philip has an unmarked grave near the churchyard where they kind of think he is as well. Oh. And I've been there, and you kind of have to. Um, when we were stuck in New York on our senior trip, we passed by it. Oh. And I pointed to Alexander Hamilton's grave. And I, was <gasps> I like, hey, remember look, that's, that. That's his grave. I, I don't really think anyone cared, but it was really exciting. Um, and I, I had gone... Um, earlier that year when I went to New York um right but yeah it's a cool church it's like an old old church like in the middle of the financial district of New York that's cool so like some people think that like Eliza would not be happy with like how little she got in the musical Hamilton like Mm -hmm. I mean it's a musical about Hamilton and like his story is you know very incredible and should be told and remembered but, like, some people think that she's, like, she would be mad that she didn't get... More. Right. Like, she um, didn't get the credit that she deserved. Exactly. However, she dedicated the last 50 years of her life to make sure that her husband was remembered. So she would probably be thrilled that... Right. He has kind of, like, created this huge phenomenon based right. around his life. That is pretty um, cool. Yeah. And in this article I read about Eliza, um, when the um, when the author began kind of talking about Alexander and kind of like leaning away from Eliza, mm-hmm. um, she said, quote, see how that happens? This piece took a quick turn and began to focus on Alexander. It's a trick of history, focusing on white men as though they're the only ones in the room where it happens. Oh. Eliza played that trick against herself, making sure that history had its eyes on her husband. But at the same time, establishing herself at the core of that history. Who, after all, would Alexander Hamilton have been? How would he be remembered without Eliza? That is true. Like, I guess, like, he wasn't president or anything. No. So I probably, I probably wouldn't, or, like, we probably wouldn't know that much about him. No, I mean, prior to Hamilton even became a thing, like, I just knew that he died in a duel with Aaron Burr. True. But now, like, with this, um musical I know like so much about him and I mean he does his story is really amazing and definitely should be told um in the capacity that it is but like without her you wouldn't have all that information exactly um she would he would not be remembered right basically at all as much without all the work that she did um their New York home is now the New York State Museum uh so you can go check that out if you want um and then also just to close it out it was really hard finding quotes, like I said, because anytime I tried to Google quotes, it just gave me quotes from the musical. Right. So I'm going to close this out with a quote. I've said quote a lot in the last 10 seconds. Anyway, um, <laughs> a quote from a love letter from Alex to Eliza. So, quote, you are certainly a little sorceress and have bewitched me, for you have made me derelish everything that used to please me and have rendered me as restless and unsatisfied with all about me as if I was the inhabitant of another world and had nothing in common with this. Aww, that's so romantic. I I know. You have derelished me. Exactly. (laughs) Nothing more lovely. (laughs) What a poet. Um, And then also, like, if there are any Hamilton fans listening, which my mom is listening, so I know she is, um, in that quote alone, there's, like, a lot of, like, Hamilton references really satisfied and um like Hamilton referencing the musical Hamilton Hamilton, that hadn't yet been created but Um, would be yes um also my sources real quick were wikipedia of course um women's womenhistoryblog.com I think Um, I used that last time 
the New York Public Library.org, um, McSweeney's.net, which is now like my new favorite website, McSweeney's. I love it. Um, and then time.com and PBS. I use time.com too. Whoa. Whoa. So a lot of information. And then on time.com, uh, you can read an in- the entire love letter that Alex wrote. Oh, that's that, really that sweet. I got that chunk from. Yeah. Do you have any closing comments? Um, I love Eliza. She is, I love her. She's always been, like, my favorite character from Hamilton, even though it's not, like, she's not really, like, a character because she's, like, a real person. Right. Um, and, yeah, I just think that she should be remembered as, I don't remember what source, but one of them said that she was, like, the founding mother of America and that she should be remembered as, like, a founding mother and not, like, a founding father's wife. Right. That makes sense. No, it sounds like she was, like, she definitely deserves a lot more credit because she really did some amazing things yeah like not just with Hamilton but like I guess Alexander yeah Yeah. she really she was really passionate about this working out this whole America thing yeah it definitely for sure because like I mean her family had settled here in like the 1600s when like the first like colonizers um came over here and so she right really wanted to see it through she really wanted America to become I don't know if she wanted it to become what it is today but right um, she definitely wanted it to work out and she definitely had a lot of hope and faith in it I think it's interesting because it's like like America starting out and making it what it is that was mm-hmm. their identity you know yeah that, like that was their whole lives I mean yeah people lost their lives and spent their entire lives working for right america to to be built to become what it is like i think that we're like we're all cool about america and stuff and like mm-hmm. yeet but not <laughs> it's not like our entire life is dedicated exactly. yeah. to making it better yeah and it's really i think just like the story of america is so unique because it's so young right like I mean, like, Eliza, like, I mean, that was only, like, what, 200, 300 years ago. Right. Compared that's... to, like, all, like, m- the majority of the other countries in the world, which are so old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, ancient and, like, I don't know, like, I feel like there's a lot of things. But since it's so recent, it's so much, like, you can you see can really, everything. I, like, everything's identify. documented. Exactly. There's a lot more documents. And, like, I, I mean, like, I really can, like, see myself identifying with these like characters right of our american history because it was so recent they seem much more like real people instead of like made up things to fill in the gaps renaissance paintings right like you can picture it Mm -hmm. wild wild anyway i highly recommend the musical hamilton i will listen to it eventually if you have like a million dollars and you can go see it invite me because I've never seen it (laughs) one day when this podcast takes off we'll use all of the profits and go see Hamilton yeah but the music is like it's one of those musicals where like all of the play is the music Mm -hmm. so like if you just listen to the soundtrack you're not missing much of the story right so yeah anyway that's Eliza she's pretty cool yeah I like her a lot well, keeping on theme with some... Murica. With, yeah, with Murica, some cool chicks mm-hmm. who helped mm-hmm. develop stuff. Today, I'm talking about the mother of Thanksgiving, Sarah Josepha Hale, who Ooh. was born October 24th, 1788, and died April 30th, 1879. Spoiler alert. She <laughs> Spoiler alert. Born <laughs> in the 1700s, and she died. Dies. Um, I got my info from Time Magazine, Time.com, and Mm -hmm. Pilgrim Hall Museum and Wiki. So, I didn't look at it, well, I looked at a bunch of stuff, but a lot of it was pretty repetitive, so. Yeah. Um, so she, I'm gonna talk about, like, the whole Thanksgiving thing first, because I think that's the most, like, 
I don't know. It kind of ties in with the rest of her life. So she credited the first American Thanksgiving to settlers of Massachusetts Bay, not Plymouth, whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of, yeah, but it's kind of like around the same time frame. But that's really the only connection to, like, settlers that it has. Like, she said that they had to have, like... They were like, oh, the day that we settle here, we're going to have this big feast to, like, celebrate God, and there's going to be all this food that, like, like relates to what we eat today, but yeah. it didn't really, it had nothing to do with, like, yeah, having, making peace with Native Americans or anything. Yeah. Like, it no. was, it wasn't that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> I'm not, like, I'm kind of interested to see, to, like, learn, like, how that turned into that. But this isn't what we're talking I about. It, I think it's really just, like, a way to, like, justify yeah. what went down. But it wasn't like they were like, oh, today we are going to make a holiday to celebrate our peace. Yeah. It was literally like, we're going to eat a bunch of food because God got us through to here. Exactly. And um, he wants us to be here and he wants us to take over. Right. So, during, okay, so other, like, mentions of Thanksgiving, so there's a bunch of Thanksgiving traditions in, like, many cultures, like, almost every culture has some kind of Thanksgiving event, um, but most of them have religious connotations, so, um, but not religiously, during the American Revolution, the Continental Congress issued proclamations to, like, set days aside to to give thanks to celebrate the military and the work they were doing Mm -hmm. um like george washington called for a national day of thanks to celebrate the end of the war and the ratification of the u.s constitution um but it wasn't like it was just kind of like a oh yeet like thing and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of other details with a bunch of other historical figures that's really not interesting of them just going back and forth on whether it's a Mm -hmm. national thing or it's just like independent thing um but anyway so Sarah started working to make it a holiday in 1846 and she wouldn't stop for 17 years until it became a national holiday um so it was previously only celebrated in the New England area like it wasn't like, Southerners didn't know it was a thing at all. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't on a specific day. Like, it was celebrated anywhere between, like, September and January. So it was just, like, at some point... It was, like, state-based. So each state would decide oh, okay. when they would celebrate. Um, until, like, up until that point, the only national holidays were Washington's birthday and Independence Day. Um, but... By 1854, over 30 states and U.S. territories were celebrating Thanksgiving, but, um, like, Congress was elected to make it a national holiday because of its religious kind of ideas. Um, So she, um, she wrote to five presidents and didn't get through until Lincoln, and that was kind of like because the Civil War was wrapping up, and he was like, this is a good way for us to yeah. all unite together. Um, so she, in one of her novels, she wrote, Thanksgiving, like the 4th of July, should be a national festival observed by all people as an exponent of our Republican institutions. Um, so she was very much about, like, unification and everything. So rather than pushing it as Thanksgiving had normally been celebrated, like, as a religious thing, she was like, this is just a celebration for everyone to come together and just unite. And this is a way that the whole country can relate to each other. Um, so, yeah. So, um, what's 17 years after 1846? Because that's when, that's when it became a thing. I think it was, like... 1846 17 1863 okay so in the in the 60s it became a national thing Mm -hmm. so then um i don't remember who it was that but it was basically like written into law that it would be on the fourth thursday of november in the case that there Mm -hmm. were five thursdays in november so it wasn't just the last thursday it's the fourth thursday it's the fourth thursday which is typically the last but not always 
Um, okay, so a little bit about her personal life. Well, a lot about her personal life, but a little bit. Okay. Um, so she was born Sarah Josepha Buell to Captain Gordon Buell and Martha Whittlesey Buell in Newport, New Hampshire. Um, so her parents believed in equal education for men and women, nice. and Sarah's brother Horatio, who went to Dartmouth, and her mother homeschooled her. However, she mostly taught herself, or she was considered an autodidact, which is like self-taught. Oh. So autodidact. Auto. And then, like, this trend kind of keep up with throughout her life. Like, she very much supported women's education and then, like, that allowing them to enter the workforce. Um, and she eventually helped found Vassar College in Poughkeepsie, New York, which was one of the, like, seven sisters schools to the Ivy League schools. Um, and its sibling sibling college was the Yale. So it was, like, was, like big deal. Um, and now it's, like, super selective, diverse college. It's really, sm- like, really small, yeah. like, population-wise. Um, no, wait, you know how they have, like, thick pens for women? Y- yeah. Like Yale, but for women, so it was, like, pink. Yeah, and, Yale like, for easier, women. easier just, to walk around. Yeah, it's just, um, it's just boats. Like, just there's softer. just little streams going to every building. There's nice. a lot of horses. Ooh, that sounds really nice. I'm yeah, that would be super cool. Actually, I feel like it'd be super actually, expensive. Oh, yeah, for sure. But uh, I like horses. Um, so, yeah, so when she was 18, she became a school teacher. And this that same year, her father opened a tavern in Newport called The Rising Sun. And she also met lawyer David Hale, who, if you can't tell by her last name, they end up getting married. Spoiler, Spoiler. alert. Um, my next sentence is that they get married in the Rising Sun on October twenty third, eighteen thirteen. Not in the actual sun. That That's no. It was That's the confusing. the tavern that her the father tavern. owned. It's, but was the sun rising while they were in the Rising Sun getting married? Or was it likely? Seven? Why would they? Why would they call it that? It's only open during sunrise. Oh. It's open for like half an hour every day. And that's Ooh, it. So everyone exclusive. just kind of piles in at, like, 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. That sounds like an actual thing that would be in, like, L.A. Yeah, it does. Like, like it's something else. It's so exclusive. It's only open for half an hour a day. The only open during sunrise. Like, like, it's hours online, say, hours open, sunrise to sunrise. <laughs> sunrise that's it. Sunrise. <laughs> like, Super no set exclusive. hours. Yeah, it's just whenever they feel like the like, sun is risen, they'll be like, Get a rooster, let it wake yeah. you up, and then come exactly. over. And that's exactly. it. Exactly. Have some yep. coffee, and then you can leave, because that's and all you have time for. Exactly. So this, the sun is risen. And then we're closed. Yep. All right. Until tomorrow. <laughs> it costs like $50 to get yep. in, because that's the only way they can afford to pay the bills. <laughs> What bills? They're only open for half an hour. Well, they still have to, like, they still have, like... Oh, rent. Like, rent. rent. I was thinking just, like... And they still have to pay employees. Yeah. I mean, how much... And if you, you have, like, let's say you have, like, a few dozen people just, like, rush in, it probably gets really messy. Yeah. Okay. So it's, so, like, you've got to have, like, a big enough space to accommodate everyone for a short period of time, but you have to pay for that the whole yeah. day, but it's only open during sunrise. I was just thinking about, like, electricity, and I was like... I mean, um, only open for half an hour a day. How much can I lift just be? But yeah, well, I guess other... you should ask Captain Gordon Buell because he did that. Okay. okay. Just kidding. It was just a normal tavern called the Rising Sun, I'm sure. Well, that's um, But something super cute about Sarah and David is that every night from 8 to 10 p.m., that was their reading time. So that was like they would get together Aww. and they'd like study just new stuff together and read. Aww. And then, yeah, and it was super cute. Um, so they had, like, a really nice marriage for nine years until David died in 1822, Aww. which is super sad. They had five children together. Wait, and what did he, he die of? I don't was remember. Was he in a duel? No, it was not a duel. duel. It was, like... Darn. It was, like, tuberculosis. I think I read that it was, like, the, a stroke, but I'm not totally sure. Cold. Don't... Oh. So it was, it was natural causes. Okay. Um, but they had five children together. Um, the oldest one was seven, and the youngest was born, like, two weeks after he died. Oh my gosh, that's very upsetting. Yeah, it's super sad. 
But um, Sarah wore black for the rest of her life to show, like, her perpetual mourning okay, for her well, husband. Same. You're not special. <laughs> I wear black all the time, but just because. <laughs> like, it's so fun. I'm not wearing black right now. I'm this wearing black. black. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so she, like, never remarried or anything, so, and she died over 50 years after he did. Oh, my gosh. Just so. like Eliza. <gasps> Whoa. 50 years. 50 years. Crazy. After. So. But she only had five kids, not eight. Uh, wow. So, um, and I only saw something about the one brother, so I'm not sure how many siblings she had. Um, so in her career, in 1823, um, so she was a school teacher up until this point, she published her first collection of poems, The Genius of Oblivion, and it was funded by her late husband's Freemason Lodge, which is like the term for a Freemason unit. So, like... I don't even know what that means. The Freemasons. Do you know what the Freemasons are? Yeah. But, like, a unit, like... So, like, like one, like, like chapter. Freemason... Yeah, one chapter was called a, a lodge. Oh, okay. So, that was, like, they funded for her to... They, like, paid for her to publish... Nice. ...her first collection of poems. Um, and then, in 1827, she published her first novel, Northwood, or Life North and South, showing the true character of both, but it was published in London as Northwood, a New England town, so, um, but this novel idealized New England values, um, it was one of the first novels about slavery, and she was one of the first female novelists, so, nice. this was, like, pretty, like, like, who's this woman writing about slavery, like, uh-huh. you know, like, she was the she first, think? like, woman novelist ever? No, like, she was America? just, like, one of the first, like, she was a pioneer, like, in America or ever, though? I think just in America. I'm sure there were women novelists before, but it's not like there weren't that many. Yeah. Or they probably were under pseudonyms that were, like, men's names, you oh, know? Oh, yeah, that was a common thing. Yeah. Um, so, it was kind of unclear. I tried to, like, look up the novel and find out what it was about, but it was kind of difficult. Um, and I'm pretty sure that in it, she was like, we need to send the slaves back so that they can live their lives. Oh. Which is like, um, okay. And that, like, so, that's, I don't know. That's a thought. That's yeah. An like, there were people okay. who were like, we should, like, we owe it to them. But it was also super problematic because it was like, we have yeah. nothing. You, like, took it yeah. all. So, um. I mean, I guess, like, I think that's better than saying that they should continue doing Right. For sure, like, I think the idea that, like, like we need to, like, help them get back to their families yeah. and all that. It's a good idea. But I but think in practice in it wasn't that great. It would, yeah, in a perfect was... world. In a perfect world that wouldn't have happened at all, but yeah. it's fine. If um, the world suddenly became perfect. Yeah. If it wasn't, and then it idea. suddenly was like, everything's perfect. Exactly. And then um, they had to like, clean up the mess from the unperfect right. world. So they had to Whoa, do that. That sounds like a science fiction novel. Whoa, like everything has to be perfect. Everything, like, suddenly the world becomes perfect, and so, like, society has to, like, clean up after the unperfect world. Whoa. To create copyright. Copyright. Okay, it's patented. Nobody can use it. Okay. Um, But, so, okay. And she also said that while slavery was completely dehumanizing to slaves, it was also dehumanizing towards, like, the slave owners since it diminishes like the moral progression that they had made so she was like it's not only bad for them like like she was I think she was a lot of her thinking is like along like she's like trying to see things from like the more privileged view so that's like a lot of her actions are based on that but then I'll talk about that later and she was like it's like it's hurting you like you look like you're a lesser moral being because of yeah. this um okay but I'll, i saw a lot of people selling copies as antiques so nice. but no information about what's in the book um okay so she helped found and was an editor in boston to american ladies magazine but she preferred to call herself an editress Ooh. which i which i think is fun i like that 
Um, okay, so more like kind of controversial stuff, but it's just like mm-hmm. her thinking. So yeah. she, so she, her hopes that women would learn, and this is a quote: "Not that they may usurp the situation or encroach on the prerogatives of man, but that each individual may lend her aid to the intellectual and moral character of those within her sphere." I'm sorry. Um, what? Can you summarize that? I okay. Yeah, I know. I'm about to. I, I had to like translate. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, so I wrote I wrote a bunch of stuff. I have like three different bullet points where yeah. I was just kind of trying to figure out what it meant. So this might not make sense. I just kind of threw okay. them in there. So I guess this means don't try to take men's roles, but work with them and do what you can. Um, uh-huh. And she didn't really believe in women's suffrage, but she believed she believed that women should quietly and subtly try to expand their influence from their roles at the time Mm -hmm. and that the most important vocation on earth is that of the christian mother in the nursery like she thought but like yeah which is totally like that's super important but she also definitely a valid role yeah she also advocated for women to join the workforce but Uh it's like taking care of your kids is super important too but she didn't like believe in women's suffrage so I don't think that? she believed in like the movement. I think it's kind of like um, uh, she thought like you should do it quietly. Right. Okay. Not so you know like 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 Martin Luther King versus like Malcolm X. Like Martin Luther yeah. King was definitely like into like protests and everything. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of it's like women's suffrage was Martin Luther King level, and then she was yeah. like it needs to be okay. more subtle than that. Okay. Um, I guess that's all right. Guess which is also like it's all like valid. So exactly. It's yeah, definitely. Do you just you just do you. Um, okay, so another like pretty long quote from her um, mm-hmm. is that the companion of man should be able to thoroughly sympathize with him and her intellect should be as well developed as his. We do not believe in the mental inequality of the sexes. We believe that the man and the woman have each a work to do for which they are specially qualified and in which they are called to excel. Though the work is not the same, it is equally noble and it demands an equal exercise of capacity. So. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. I mean, it's saying that, like, we're not, men and women aren't the same, but they're equal. Yeah. No, so it's like, do whatever, yo. Yeah, I mean, like... Do your thing. She was doing her thing, and she was doing some cool stuff. Um, So she was recognized by Baltimore Female College for her work popularizing the idea of women's colleges. So she wrote a lot of articles and published a lot of, like, female authors and stuff, um, Mm -hmm. like, talking about how, like, like, the idea of women going to college, which wasn't super popular at the time, but she did a lot to help that. Um, she was a strong advocate for the Union in the Civil War, and she was very much against slavery. However, she pushed for unification in her works, writing about stuff like, like, she would write, um, kind of, like, historical fiction about, like, the North and South working together to fight the British, or a Northerner and Southerner falling in love, um, and she insisted on publishing American authors. So most magazines at the time, um mainly just published like republished stuff from british editorials but she was like yeah. no it's got to be american authors um which meant that she wrote a lot of stuff yeah. um but she was all about like like she was a huge patriot um okay so 1830 so this is kind of the middle of her time with the american ladies magazine um, she published Poems for Children, which was, um, most female poets wrote for children, and this, this publica- this publication included Mary's Lamb, which is now Mary Had a Little yeah. Lamb, so she also wrote the poem, Mary Had a Little Lamb. Mary Had a Little you're not joining in. No, I'm pr- I don't remember how it goes. It's been a while. <laughs> she went to school and then, like, ate yeah. something? I don't really remember. Yeah, so there's a little bit of controversy that there was this girl who had an actual lamb, and it was just this dude watching the girl who wrote the poem, but, like, it's oh. pretty much, it's it's pretty much, like, like everyone knows that Sarah wrote it, so yeah. you could just ignore that. Um, 1833, so still she's with the American Ladies magazine. Um, 1833, she started Seamen's Aid Society to help families of Boston soldiers who died at sea. So, super patriotic. Yeah. 
Um, and then 1837, she became an editor for Godey's Ladies Book. Um, but she kept <laughs> what? working. What is it called? Godey's Ladies Book. So Godey was a dude who owned uh-huh. it. And he was like, yo, okay. please be editor. And so she okay. was. But she kept working from Boston so that she could stay with her son who was going to Harvard. Um, and she was an editor there for 40 years until 1877 mm. when she was 89. Ooh, yeah. That's a long time. So Godey's Ladies Book was known for its influence. It had more than 150,000 readers. Um, but And it didn't have much competition because there wasn't a lot of, like, literature so towards it a, women. It was a book or, like, a magazine? I think it was a magazine, but it was... Okay. It was called Godey's Ladies Book. And it was for women. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it was basically, like, like it was the influence, so um, it was kind of the decider for fashion and architecture, even. Like, they published house plans, and, like, Ooh. like contractors would build houses based on their house plans. Um, it's also what popularized white wedding dresses and Christmas trees. What? Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. So, it was a pretty... Like, those were things before, but this was like, oh, it's trendy now. (gasps) Wow. So, yeah, it was a pretty big deal. Yeah. But I mean, like, 150,000 readers then, like, like... that's probably a good at least half of the women at the time. So. Um, but again, she was super patriotic. She worked to preserve George Washington's Mount Vernon plantation since it was, well, she's the reason it's there. And so like, she was like, this is something that both the North and the South can appreciate and can like respect. Mm -hmm. Um, and she raised $30,000 for the Bunker Hill monument to be built built by pushing her readers to donate a dollar each and organizing this huge like week-long craft fair that had like food and was selling like homemade crafts and stuff oh my gosh, and she was know. described as Oprah and Martha Stewart combined <gasps> Oprah and Martha Stewart combined obviously <gasps> this is by someone like more recent because obviously, Oprah yeah. and Martha Stewart were oh my gosh, I chilling back that, then though. yeah oh my gosh I love it I, I want to go to a craft day. fair that would be so cool Oh my gosh, let's go. <laughs> so yeah, so she was super cool. So she died April 30th, 1879 in her home in Philadelphia. And by that time, she had published almost 50 volumes of poetry and novels. Wow. Yeah, so some some closing notes about her. Um, there was a Liberty ship, which is a car- cargo ships that built in World War II that was named after her. Um, and it it worked for like 30 years or something like that. And there was a vocational high school in New York City that was named after her. Um, it closed in 2001, but considered, but it was around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also now the Sarah Josepha Hale Award, which um, some recipients like these are the ones that whose like names I immediately recognized were Robert mm-hmm. Frost and Arthur Miller. And also someone that's, like, super cool that's still alive and chilling is Julia Alvarez from the Dominican Republic. Nice. Um, So, also, the New Hampshire Historical Society made a series of bobbleheads, and she was one of them. And if you go to their museum in Concord, New Hampshire, you can buy a bobblehead of Sarah Josepha Hale. That's what you're getting for Christmas. You're gonna go there. Can I not? Can I get it online? I don't is know. There... I didn't look. That's gonna be part of the Christmas gift. Is that you have to do the research into it? Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So I wrote down some quotes that I liked that I didn't know how to integrate them. Yeah. So um, the first quote: "The fearful are the failing." There was a longer Ooh. quote, but that was like I didn't yeah. really understand it because it was like old and speak. Um, old and speak. <laughs> the temple yeah. of our purest thoughts is silence Ooh. and <laughs> rights are liable to be perverted to wrongs when we are incapable of rightly exercising them which is Dang. pretty wild and yeah. still holds up yeah for sure 
Um, and there's no influence so powerful as that of the mother, but next in rank is efficiency is that of the schoolmaster, which I just really enjoy because like yeah. she was a teacher, so she's basically like 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 mother first, <laughs> teacher second. I don't know. Like, it feels like very much something that a, that someone would post on Facebook with like a Caribbean sure. background, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> like or like a teacher would have it on like a wooden apple like on their desk yeah like yeah it'd be like a cup holder right or mug a travel mug yeah for sure yeah so (laughs) that's what she said second that is and i like that it's like next in rank and efficiency like (laughs) i love it if you want to get the job done get a mom or a teacher yeah first a mom second schoolmaster if you can get both then you're like, you're good in one yeah you're great ideally a them? bunch of moms because they're the most efficient yeah okay, but if so you have a schoolmaster mom okay what if i get all together all moms yeah all then teachers? who knows they can what's, what's gonna happen they can do anything they can take over the country oh, they're wow. super efficient they can run like 80 miles an hour <laughs> like they're the most efficient <laughs> All right, that's the, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna get them all together. I'm gonna get Sounds all the moms and teachers together. Le- they and create a black hole because of all the efficiency. It's like be so much it's, energy. There's it's so much efficient energy that it just increases exponentially until it's like just not even measurable, and they create a black hole and suck the entire universe into it. So let's yeah. not do that. Okay, yeah, maybe I'll just get, like, four or five together. <laughs> That's and, plenty. Yeah. And maybe that'll just cause a slight ripple in time. Well. <laughs> not a full-on black hole. Yeah. We go back, back in time because of how quickly time is moving because of their efficiency. Yeah, and then we can go hang out with Eliza and... Sarah. Sarah. And yeah. we can find out... Are we going to be friends with them? So what do you think? Yeah, we can, like, sit down and have some tea, because that's probably what they did. Yeah, for sure. And biscuits. Mm. Do you think they still had a British accent, like, 1700s? Okay, I read somewhere that the British accent didn't form until, like, after... (gasps) I read that somewhere, too. I totally forgot about that. Like, the American accent was the British accent, and then once we came over here, they developed the British accent. I don't know if that's true. That's probably totally wrong. Yeah. And then also that, like, a southern accent, like a southern accent, like, is just a slowed-down British accent. That, as well, I don't know if that's true. Whoa. That's pretty cool. I am fascinated by Someone tell us. Language and accents and stuff, but I really don't know much about it. Tweet it at us. Okay. Uh, I-C-I-C-B-F-W-H. But you can look up I Could Be Friends With Her and find it. Okay, good, because I can't remember that acronym. Yeah, I can't remember it either, but you can't It doesn't really roll off the tongue. Maybe we should change it. what? It's I-C-B-F-W-H. Uh, wait, I could be I C B friends F with F W H I C B F W H easy peasy no thought necessary ick before easy we should have picked a shorter name ick before do that now oh well I'm writing that down ick Okay, written down. Great. Now All right, I think we're we're, we're pretty today. productive today. That was a very <laughs> efficient <laughs> episode. Oh, and we're not nice moms and... or teachers. Oh no. How? Unless you have a secret like mom teacher life that you're not telling me. I mean, I don't really. I am known to sleepwalk, so I don't know what I do when I sleep. Yeah, maybe you like had maybe. a child, and you. Started night school, teaching night school. Oh my gosh, now I have a whole weird fear of, like, what is my life whenever I sleep well? Whoa. What if if everyone has a secret life when they go to sleep that they don't even know about? Then they better wake up and realize what it is. 
Okay. I don't think that's true, though. Okay, good. Okay. Well, you're going to have to remind me that that's not true, because I'm going to be scared of that now. <laughs> What's your biggest fear? That I have a secret family and career whenever I fall asleep. <laughs> and I walk to them, and I never remember them when I wake up. That's, you're in a that's job interview. <laughs> um, we asked what your greatest weaknesses were, ma'am. <laughs> or your greatest strengths. My biggest strengths? Is that, that you have that a whole other so family efficient. and career. I'm so efficient. I have a whole family and career when you I'm asleep. You are asleep. so efficient. I can I can have a career and a family in my sleep. Yeah. That's, that's how efficient I am. That's pretty good. Okay, I think we should wrap this up. I think that this is enough. We have yeah, my, we've gone too far. My laptop is dying. And put it on your resume. on your resume. <laughs> Secret family and career I may or may not know about. <laughs> I should have. I'm going to add that to my resume. Okay, bet. Tell me how that goes. <laughs> I mean, I'm not applying to any jobs right now. But, okay. okay. My laptop is very dying. Okay, we gotta go. Okay, okay. Um, follow us on Instagram at I could be friends with her and at, on Twitter at Ikbufa. <laughs> and um, give us give us a rating, rate, subscribe, um, comment. No, wait, what's it called? Review. Review. Rate, review rate, subscribe. Um, tell, critique. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> please don't critique. <laughs> We're very sensitive. I do enough. I do enough we don't want feedback. Only start. Just kidding. Please give us feedback. But yeah, only, only if good, it's good. But only if it's good. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. Got it. Um, tell your friends. Okay, bye. Bye. bye.